Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, dude, dude, we're already a profitable friggin' podcast. Yeah, it's man. not bad for somebody, right? <laughs> I mean, if if we don't get yeah, the money, I, can can you just at least put our name on the trophy or on whatever it is you end up getting? Like, that'd be cool. I won't, like, you know, get, we don't need the money. Give us some credit. Just like, something. Just, you, know, you know what? You know what? Keep the money. We just want some credit, man. Like, just understand we, you I, couldn't I, have I, done I, it alone. <laughs> I agree. I, I, think, I think our names should go on the trophy in some way, shape, or form. So for those listening that don't necessarily understand what we were, we were going to, what was going to happen, we tried this on Saturday and there's a podcast out there that we've, we've talked about before because we really like them. They're really cool guys uh, on the bench with Beaks and uh, they're, they're really, anyways, they're really nice guys. And we, we, you know, got the basically touch base. The the hope was that we we're going to do a show. Uh, we were going to go kind of do a back and forth a little bit and they were going to sort of pick our brains about certain things and whatnot. So we'll, I'm not going to get too into what the show was going to be like, because we'll, we'll do it. Uh, some technical difficulties ran in the way and it's just, it's just, it's one of those things that happens and uh, it's no big deal. Again, we at least got to uh, do a face to face. It was nice. And, uh, but the enthusiasm, like, oh man, they've got a really cool garage and a really cool studio space, so to speak, where, with a bunch of cool memorabilia up on the wall and everything. Very jealous because there's hey, a lot I nicer mean, than mine. I got. You know what? The passion was there and that's all we need. Yeah. Like you could, you could feel the passion from them. They, they're definitely hockey fans. Uh, you know, we're certainly looking forward to this show. Um, you know, we're probably looking at about maybe a month out yeah. roughly or so, but, uh, you know, we'll kind of keep everybody in, uh in line with any kind of dates that uh, that come up so yeah uh, if you guys ever are looking to uh you know just kind of kick up and put your feet up and just want to talk a little bit of hockey why don't you check out on the bench with beaks that's the great thing about their show is that for as much as they're they're definitely um different than our show and and that's really good because it, it honestly that's one of the reasons why i was excited to do their show was to sort of take a break from ours i love doing our show don't get me wrong but it's nice to do something different they take a more casual approach to it and it's it's really just for the love of the game kind of thing. And it's great conversations. So that's kind of where I was. That's one of the main reasons why I was excited to do their show. Because it, it was a break from what we were doing. Plus, I mean, I was going to get a break from editing a little bit too. So that's always nice. <laughs> Again, I don't mind doing it. But it's just, it's nice when you get a little bit of a break. But um, anyways, we'll get there. But I think as a result of what we of what was missed and maybe what we were hoping to do um, for this week's show, um, we're we're gonna we're gonna maybe tap into what uh, well the Denver market a little bit. But but first, as usual, every week it's, it's check my fanny, and um, we ended things are things are a little bit tighter. I didn't think that'd be possible to say that. But in our league, after last week, we are now a little bit tighter. And that's just great. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, listen, I, I don't know. I, I was down a fair bit last week. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I know I've got oh. a good team. I know I've got great, great players, the whole nine yards. I, I, I know that. But like, like we talked about, I mean, you know, while we were waiting for the boys to set up on Saturday there, I, I mean, I was down by what, like, not double, well, double digits for sure. Like about 15, I think, or 16 at one point. Yeah, whatever. pretty close. So, anyway, yeah. I, so, I mean, 
I managed to be able to pull that one out against Tom. Now, of course, that coincided a little bit with his guys going cold back <clears throat> half of the week. Yeah. So that helped out as well. But having said all of that, both yourself and Joel, well, as a matter of fact, the whole Howe division <laughs> won last week. Yep. So we had a pretty good Gretzky, week. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thanks for coming out. <laughs> nice try. Thanks for coming out, boys. And listen, let's so, not... Yeah, all, I, sorry, all... I don't want to... I'm going to cut you off here for a second because... Yeah, no worries. Mike's being modest. Um, sure, the Demons went a little cold on the back end, a little more so than they were on the on the front end. Maybe they were hotter on the front end of the week. But at the end of it, they actually still scored 52 points, which uh, ties with me. And so it, it would tie him for third most points last week. So it's not like Mike kind of um, got lucky in any sense that Tom's team didn't produce. Tom's team did very, very well. Mike's team just really, again, came back from about 15 points, ended up the week with 60 points. Um, just, I'm not sure I've seen a comeback that big in our league. Um, that's a specific stat for Joel. We'll have him back on the show so he can just talk about that one stat. <laughs> but um, that was an impressive comeback for sure because I had actually written you off. I figured, oh, okay, well, Mike's going to lose this week. That means he's going to tie or be tied. Or no, he's going to be behind Tom. But So now because, yeah, so I beat my dad, 52-48. Joel beat Jason, 50-40, sorry, 40-29. Like we said, Mike beat Tom, 60-52. And Ryan just shellacked uh scott 6349 so sorry that, scott yeah <laughs> so that puts us in an interesting pr predicament for, for the overall championship mike's still leading the way 14 and 5 but then we've got a three-way tie now for second place 12 and 7 for uh joel tom and myself and then ryan's right back there at 10 and 9 two games behind second place four behind first and then you got my dad at 10 and 10, 9 and 10 and that's enough <laughs> Sorry, Jason. <laughs> All right, fine. Five and fourteen, and two and seventeen. Good job, guys. Um, go. So yeah, it's it's a very again. I didn't think we'd be a little bit tighter, but we found a way to be just that much tighter now. And we've got what seven weeks left? Is it seven or six? Yeah, that that seven weeks left. Seven, so, and that's what I was just about to say. Is that's where it kind of gets really interesting, right? Is now, you know, you can start. I mean, you know, again, your dad. Your dad is still mathematically in. Yep. I mean, in all reality. Yep. I mean, he's behind by five games with seven weeks left. So, I mean, it, it's a hope and a prayer, mind you. Yeah. But, but you know, I mean, technically he's still in. But, you know, even like a guy like Ryan, that 10 and 9, right? He's still, I mean, again, yes, you're starting to run out of a little bit of racetrack here. But we are talking yeah. about four games behind seven weeks. Weirder things have happened. The only issue, for, I, as we know, for the past couple of weeks with uh, teams like your your dad, the Buccaneers, and, and uh, Ryan's Cougars, is just a case where they got to leapfrog so many teams ahead of them. So, I mean, that's more, that's almost more yeah. of a challenge than anything else, right? So, I mean, in all, I mean, you can throw Ryan in there a little bit, but again, the racetrack's getting kind of, kind of tight. So, really, yeah. it comes down to four teams in, in all reality myself, you, uh, you, your brother, the Apocalypse, and also the uh, Tom's Demons. So, it's going to be interesting to see how this all goes here, man. There's two games left between myself and your brother. So, Obviously, with our point system and the way we work things out, Joel is actually second in the league right now because of points four. Yep. So there is actually a first versus second matchup this week. Oh, um, I be And I believe, if I take a quick look here at our schedule, uh, 
Take a gander. I think uh, there's divisional games this week, I believe. So yeah, I think you're playing. Uh, I think you're I'm, playing uh, Ryan this week. I'm playing Ryan, yeah, which has me a little bit nervous so, because I'm looking at his team, and so Ryan actually had the most points last week with 63. And what's amazing yeah, man, about he had that? A great week. He did, and what's but what's even more amazing than that? He had two of his players all week long last week without a single point, and yet still managed with the most points last week. And this is basically on the backs of Markstrom with a shutout and three wins. Um, uh, Huberto, who's like, is it me or Huberto just simply does not get enough credit? He's leading the league in points and he's not like, no one really talks about him as much as like, let's say even Ovechkin, who's now faltered so far behind and, and the McDavid's and the dry side, like Huberto is the best player in the league. Sorry, not the best, necessarily the best player, but he's got the most points in the league right now. And no one's really talking about underrated. That. Very criminally underrated. Very, like honestly, and and look, I, it, it's kind of funny that you, you mentioned that. And while we're on the topic, I'll quickly mention as well. And not because I have him on my team, well, maybe a little bit, but <laughs> Miko Rantanen. Yeah, I find that's another. That's I another one. Yeah, Chu got and and it, the only reason I'm bringing him up is we were going to have the uh, uh, the boys on there on Saturday. So yeah. I mean, we were going to we were certainly going to get into the moose at some point, but yeah. uh, him and Hubert, like I mean, and right now I'm sorry, you got to put Huberto in a little bit even bigger category than Rantanen because I'm sorry, man. Like they, I don't care how close they are in points when you're leading the league, man, yeah. and and you're still not getting the love. I don't get I'm that. Like, what is going on? There? I f- I honestly feel that even uh, Kadri was getting more love than Huberto at the time when Huberto was actually still producing more points than than Kadri. But I think people were just so shocked by what Kadri was doing that yeah. seeing yeah. that was like, oh, let's talk about that over Huberto. But like, listen, this isn't this isn't a a, a bullshit season for Huberto. He's looking at a career year oh here. He's on God. pace for 113 points. Like, and it's not all assists, you know, it's not all goals either, but he's got his decent size of 18 goals in 59 games on, he's on pace for, you know, 20, a 25 goal season, nothing to sneeze at with 89 assists. Like if he pulls this through, this is, why are we talking about this kid a little bit more? And, and the hilarious part about it is, is, I mean, this team has been getting a lot of love and well, I mean, Marty, they were scoring at will there yeah, for and a while, yeah. basically, basically still are right. That's so true. you're thinking, okay, well, gee, and, and all the while, like you're saying, Huberto's not really getting, no. listen, he gets, gets a little love, obviously from poolies like you and I, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, 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 we give him the love. We, we know what he's worth type, type of deal, fantasy wise in, in regard. Yeah. I don't mean like human being there. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking fantasy here. Not that kind talking of fantasy here. We know, what, we, we know what he's worth and everything. So yeah. he definitely doesn't sneak up on us, but man, oh man, like just, I don't know, media wise. I don't know if it's just because he's down in Florida or whatever Maybe, the case is. Yeah. Like this guy just isn't getting any kind of hype at all. Nope. And he, deserves a shit ton absolutely and it's just it's again it's just surprising because for somebody to produce at the pace that he's producing normally you hear a lot more about it but i'm just not hearing at least not as much as i i think is deserving because huberto maybe as far as careers go uh maybe didn't explode out of the gate uh early on with his career because he didn't necessarily but he also didn't do that bad either but it's only been in the last let's see 2018 yeah so 2018 he had his first big production productive um uh, year he had 92 in 82 with 30 goals 
then in 1978 and 69, and then in 2020, 61 and 55. So he's really found his groove. He's he's more than a point per game producer. I think that's that's confirmed now at this point, especially with this season already with 83 and 59. Um, he at some point, I would imagine after this year, is going to start to be mentioned in conversations with the the top five. He's going to have to be at this point because. He's just doing it now every year. This is this would be his third year in a row, and every year it's a little bit more. So you got to start putting him in the conversation of top five in the league. Again, not the world, not the world's best player. I think there's a Matthews and McDavid and, and Dreisaitl conversation there where Huberto doesn't necessarily benefit from. But in terms of the league, Huberto is definitely there. But uh, sorry, I a bit of a side tangent there. No, no, not not at all. Just to finish up on Huberto, I mean, with this guy, like you're saying, I mean, you know, the progression of development in the in the early years, you know, it took him a good four or five years yeah. to really kind of find his footing. But Marty, in the last four years, though, if you're looking like for a point a game guy, and I'm not even just talking a guy that's like literally one point zero zero, like I'm calculating in my head really quickly, and I I'll go ahead and say something like a one point six, one point seven. Yeah, let's say. I mean, th- this guy flat out. In fantasy hockey, yeah. is money. He's is a beast. Money. He's like, absolutely. It, it, you you want a guy? Just set your clock to him. Yep. Like obviously, the last four years with this guy, pick him up. Just ride the wave, man. Like you said, money in the bank. You were, you it, it, it may have been because Florida needed to sort of catch up to what they can put around him, and that's where they're at now. Whatever the case may be. They're there. He's there. Uh, having Barkov doesn't hurt either because it seems every time one the other one gets the other one. Because uh, even in this week, Barkov as well. So Huberto got seven assists, and this week Barkov got seven assists Man. on one goal. So they're do, they're they're both doing it. This is just a dangerous team. Period. If you got it, that's the thing. That trade I did for Barkov, where I, I got I traded a Odinger for Barkov. I felt that I know, and a part of me still regrets that trade. Just because I think Odinger is the real deal, I do believe he's he's money in the bank as well, and he's so young. Like, geez, what a great grab for my dad. You can hold on to that guy for the rest of his career, and you're just you're you're money in the bank as well. But I felt I needed that piece of Florida so badly. I just really something about this team, Huberto. Again, I actually my first attempt was to go after Huberto, but rightfully so. Ryan was like, <laughs> "That ain't happening." <laughs> like, give me five thousand actual dollars, and sure, we'll make it happen. But no, outside of that, uh, Barkov was, you know, not to say that he's second class to Huberto, but because I think we mentioned it before, he's got a bit of an injury history. So that's why you you put him in a slight tier below him, only because he's not going to play as many games, but he is producing as many points. Um, I know that Huberto's got 83 and 59, whereas Barkov currently sits at 60 and 46. So it's in the same category, just not as many points because he's not playing as many games. So anyways, Florida, great team to go out and pick up some players if you can. But uh, that's why I'm worried to take on Ryan right now. As much as I got Barkov to protect him from Huberto, he's got Markstrom. He's got uh, Malkin, who didn't get any points for some reason. He's got Larkin. He's got Forsberg. He's got Connor. He's got a team that I am not convinced I can just, you know, throw anything at him. Like, I'm, I'm worried. And that's well, that's I, the year. I, I will say this. I mean, now, you know, there, there is a, a lot of a percentile of luck in our in our pool to a certain extent, right? So, yeah. I mean, keeping that keeping that in mind for our listeners. But at the same time, I mean, and you've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast uh, throughout the uh, the previous months here, Marty. Y- 
it's it's always beneficial to a certain extent as well if you're catching a guy maybe when his team is cold, right? Uh, or or you know you yeah. want to kind of avoid the guy who's who seems to be on a bit of a, a hot streak, right? And I mean you're kind of running right into a bit of a hot streak here in Ryan, especially with the week he had last week, right? And yeah. and the thing of it is, is it, it it wasn't even a two week period. This was like one week period. Yeah. Like I know there's a lot of games now too, <laughs> but sixty three points, man. That's... Like I know I followed it up with sixty, but I just. Like 63 <laughs> points in a week, 60, like that's a lot of points, right? That's I mean, a lot of points. And it, it kind, of, kind of the other way around, like your brother didn't have the greatest of weeks, but there, it, it's so, again, that, that luck plays so much of part uh, uh, in, in our pool, or at least to a certain extent, right? To so, an extent, it does. I mean, you do have to be, you have to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. And, and there's definitely a, pl- a play in our league for that. It's funny because I was looking at our league and, and there's one element about our league that I don't like. And but there's no way to avoid it, um, and that's the then that's the the points against. Now, points for comes in comes into the the equation when there's a tie, um, but points against you know that does nothing really at the end of the day. So there's nothing you can do about that. But mm-hmm. the points against essentially sort of contribute to your loss, right? And there's nothing you can do about that in this league. The more every time I think about it, at first I'm like, you know, it's not fair. Like you know, the top guys in the championship is actually the one who's getting scored on the least. Usually it's not necessarily the case right now, but I think you're in third place in that category or like somewhere right you're at eight, ten points against. Whereas let's say like look at Jason. Jason's got eight hundred and sixty points against. So but Every time I dissect this, I always come down, come back to, well, you know what, though? He's got 909 points for if if we're all doing our homework and we're all doing the best we can, you can score on me all you want. If I've got the best team, it'll reflect in the points for and that's where it matters. So there's really nothing you can do. But it is it is funny to see every once in a while when you see the winners with, who are usually the ones who have been scored on the least or somewhere near the least. And to me, that's always like a sticking point in my mind. And I brought this up to Joel a couple of times, but again, there's nothing anybody can do. It's just one of those, just one of those numbers that shows up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, and 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 that's why we've always kind of weighted the the points for because it was something that we could control, right? Like that's I mean, right. Each each individual team, as best as you can, anyway, can control yeah. how many points you're putting up in a week. So, yeah. I mean, hey, dress a good uh, team and uh, dress a hot hand and 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 do yeah. good with your with your lineup, and and you'll be, and you'll you'll do well. You'll be rewarded. Uh, you know, if you're scored on a lot against. It shouldn't matter if you're putting out if you're putting out the best team that you've got, then it shouldn't matter. So, but yeah. So, so what do you think, buddy? Do we move it along to the boards now? I, I think we do. I think we're we're gonna go along the boards, and uh, God, thank God we changed that name. Do you remember what the name was? <laughs> it was it, it was around what? it was like you're around put, the league in fifty plays or something like ah oh. around around the league in thirty plays, I think. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. You uh, know what? Kick that to the yeah. kick that to the dance. Hey, I was along tr- the boards, folks. Just along the boards. Along the boards. All right. So what we're what we're gonna do is a shout out to Colorado because of the show that we missed out on that we really still are we're very pumped for. So this one goes out to you guys, Beaks and Boys. Uh, this one's for you guys. We're gonna do a, a deep dive into the Colorado Avalanche. We got a couple of interesting things that we want to talk about when it comes to Avalanche. Mike, why don't you go ahead, Lewis? Lead us into it. All right, buddy. Well, first and foremost, I mean, let's let's get this out of the way and let's get it taken care of. The Landeskog injury. Now, all I'm going to say about it is this, Marty. I don't like... There's a lot of... Like, it feels secretive to me. 
And what I mean by that is whenever they, anytime they've talked to Bednar or gotten anything out of the avalanche, it's basically, well, we hope to have him back for the stretch run. Well, what the hell is the stretch run? The last five games, the first five games of the playoff? <laughs> what is your stretch run, bud? Like, I don't like that at all, especially with where this team is at, especially with the expectations they put on themselves. And of course, the general public has put on this team. I mean, I, I, I got I to gotta be honest with you, I don't like it. I don't like it right off the bat. Marty, what are you feeling blame, about that, man? I, I don't blame you. I wouldn't like it either, but I read something today that made me go, okay, and I started thinking outside of the box a little bit. So basically, they're not even intending on calling anybody. They're going to roll with what they've got, which is uh, mm-hmm. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So it's 11 forwards. They're going to roll with that and just see what happens. And I think the intent here, it, I think on the one hand, not okay, so you know, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist person, but this is definitely going to sound like one. I think this is a test. Uh, they want to test to see what they got. They want to really push what they have and, and try a couple of, a couple of theories out on the team that they have because this 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 might be something that they can that they consider that might maybe it comes back up during the playoffs. Maybe this injury with Landis Cog isn't necessarily some maybe something he's been dealing with all season long. It, it, it sort of sneaks up on them every once in a while. So let's give him an, an extended period of time where he can really rest and see what this team can do without him in the lineup and, and trying to insert somebody else and just trying to explore with what we've got. With again, like, but this is a great team. Like you still got now you got Nishka, um uh, you pronounce his name Nishkiskin? <sighs> oh, Nishushkin. Nishushkin. Valerie Nishushkin. Yeah, Valerie Nishushkin on the top line with McKinnon and Rantanen, and then you got Newhook with Kadri hey and Burkowski in the second, and then you got Yost, Comfort, and O'Connor on the like. It's still a really good team, and and that's part of yeah. something I was going to talk about later on. But this team ha- <clears throat> has the benefit of being able to juggle. Certain players like your new your your new hook, your Nishishkin, your Burakovsky, and your Kadri, you can basically juggle those guys around anywhere in the top two lines, or drop them down in third or fourth just to help the balance out a little bit more, and you're not going to miss a beat. And this is very special to be able to do something like this, because to have this much talent. You've got to be able to draft accordingly. You've got to be able to develop the right way. And the funny thing is, is they actually have three million left uh, for the salary cap this year. So if they wanted to do something at trade deadline, they could afford to go out and get a three million dollar man, which is you know probably a third or fourth line something. Uh, if this injury continues to to persist for Landeskog, then maybe they go out and they get a, another left wing, and they just plug that hole in the third or the fourth line. So I think maybe this is a way of them to see what they've got and to sort of finalize what they need to do going forward just before the playoffs. So that's my thought. Well, I, listen, I mean, in, in regards to kind of piggybacking on that, it, it I don't like how it's a bit secretive in regards to Landis Cog and how that's kind of a bit up in yeah. the air. Okay, so that move that to the side. Yeah. And I will say that, a team like the Avalanche in any kind of a normal year, and let's just, for argument's sake, say that Landeskog is fine playing first-line minutes in the whole nine yards. Like you're saying, some of these opportunities that are going to come up now for the Avalanche in regards to, you know, next man up, so to speak. Yeah. Usually a team like that, and and of course, you know, with the expectations like we, we've mentioned about this team and, and, and how deep they're expected to go into the playoffs— my point is they never really get a chance to go through that process, right? 
So, True. yes, the Landis Cog injury, don't like it in any way, shape, or form, especially with where this team's at. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. You mentioned Nishushkin, six foot four kid going up onto the first line. Yeah. We're going to find out what this kid's made of. Maybe he starts crashing and banging a little bit there with the other two skilled guys kind of making a little bit of room. The other thing I kind of like about this, and if I'm not mistaken, when I checked uh, Daily Faceoff today, Marty, um, Alex Newhook. Now, a little biased again. I've got him on my team for the CFHL. Yeah. But I've liked this kid for a little yep. while here now, and he's going to end up playing second line minutes here with Kadri yeah. and I believe Burkowski. Burkowski. Yeah. That's a so good line. Let, let, Marty, I'm right there with you, and it's exactly, you took the words right out of my mouth because that's not a chump line, man. Like, no. that's a line that's going to be expected to follow that first line and provide, and, and I'm not talking about a little bit of offense. Like, they're mm. going to be leaned on, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, like any second line would as opposed to a third or fourth line. But, I mean, with the talent on that line, you're talking Kadri top 10 here all year long. Uh, scoring, Burakovsky can put the puck in the net. Very streaky player, but he can put the puck in the net. And now you've got Newhook, and this guy's a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades right now. I mean, trying to find his place in the lineup as well, playing mainly third-line minutes all year, right? Mm -hmm. But this is another kid, 16th overall a couple of years back uh, for the Avalanche. So, I mean... I, I, I like what the, what this is going to provide them, Marty, because this isn't a team that was like, oh, you know, we, we're, we're a wild card team. Maybe, you know, we would need Landis Cog. They're going to make the playoffs. They're in. Yeah. That's not Obviously. a question. So this is so, so like you say, this is going to give them an opportunity to, hey, maybe down the line, you know, Kadri, I don't think they're going to sign him again. I, I just don't think he'd have to, he it, would but, have to take a discount. But. With new hook, maybe you're going to end up seeing something that happens here over the next two to three weeks, yeah, or, maybe or to that's the end the of the year here until, and 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 now you've got a guy that you potentially maybe are sliding into your second line now, because yeah. let's face it, Marty, that first line. Like that that's an all-star first line, right? right? So you you're not just talking about a normal kind of first line of any re- normal team or no, you know, no, middling team. Like th- that that that's a that's a, a first line that can take and when I'm talking heavy minutes, I'm talking twenty oh, yeah. you know, in the playoffs, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four minutes here. It's a line so, that's gonna win you games. That's a line that's gonna win you a cup if you have to. So you could potentially slide in yeah. Uh, new hook, you know, t- next year or, or down the road here. If I like. You find somebody I like in the what you're season. saying. Like, I, I like the idea that you know maybe, and this furthers my theory that like maybe you got new hook on the second line there right now, and maybe that's what the purpose of all this is, is to see where he's at, so that you don't have to worry about losing Kadri because again, unless Kadri decides to take a, a serious pay cut just to stay with what he's got, and I I, I don't discount that idea either. I could see Nazim thinking to himself, you know what? I came here. Uh, things are good. I like this team. It's a great team to play for. They got a great chance year in and year out. Maybe I'll take a, a small pay cut or just find a way to make it work so I can stick around. But that aside, maybe that's the plan is to see if Newhook can step into where Kadri is now. And and you never know. Maybe he can. Because I, I do think the talent is there. Same thing with the Nishishkin. I think they're both very, very talented. They're just young. And I think they just need this kind of exposure this this kind of these kinds of minutes um with these kinds of players and it might end up say, like this, Joe Sackick is a smart hockey person up and down he's right there with Steve Eiserman they know exactly what they they knew what they were doing when they were playing they know exactly what they're doing as GMs i know sometimes i've actually come down pretty hard on him 
Um, I've even said, even when it comes down to the coach too, and, and juggling Burakovsky from one line to another, and, and I've actually shot that down a couple of times on our show where I've said he would do better if he could find some consistency um, with some players and just stay on one line. But what do I know? I just run a podcast. These guys are paid to do it for for a living. So it, it makes sense that they know more than me. And I would say that now I'm, you know, I've been proven wrong and, and I'm happy to be wrong because this looks really good. I like the direction of what they're doing um, has, seems to have a, a solid purpose and it's well thought out. So good for Sackett, good for the whole organization. This is a an exciting team to be a part of right now. I just, I do wish their goalie situation was just a smidge better. And I do think Cumper could have been there or could still be there. I but I, And I, I think he's kind of trending in that direction, but it's taking longer than I thought it would. Um, I, I kind of expected a little bit more um, consistency out of him by this point, but I don't think it's, I think you can still win with this. Well, I mean, look, I mean, we talked about the depth of this team. We've talked about that wicked uh, all-star first line. Uh, I mean, the Landeskog injury is what it is. They're going to be able to weather it. At least, it's, again, it's not a team that's fighting for a wild card spot. No. <laughs> and you just t- and you just touched on the goaltending. And and I will say this about Kemper: injury history. So that's always a little bit of a concern yeah. uh, as we kind of make our way to the playoffs here. But uh, he's played quite well, Marty, since since the the turn of the calendar here. Yeah. So I, you know, listen. Um, whether it was finding his footing with the franchise or, or you know, get, getting used to the defense down there. Because that's another thing, too, we tend to forget, right? These goalies go uh, to these new teams. And, you know, you could be a great goalie and, you know, um, um, a goalie that can get the, the wins that you need, so to speak. It doesn't have to be elite. But, I mean, it's a case where if you got to give them the time to get used to that kind of system. And, and, and I think that was the case with Kemper because it wasn't exactly this booming start or anything to the year whatsoever, mm-hmm. but boy, oh boy, he's really, really caught in fire here the last couple of months. And I'll tell you what, as long as, as long as he stays healthy, I, I mean, again, with that team and, and some of the things we've already talked about, Marty, all they need is just some, some uh, average goaltending. I mean, you, you know, make make a big save here and there. You're going to need to do it here in the playoffs at some point. Uh, you need a little bit better than average. So I, I will say above average goaltending here. Yeah. But this is a team that can put the puck in the net as well, right? So, and I mean, kind of evidenced by their their, their power play. I'd like to see it a little higher. It's, huh. not, it's 12th overall, Marty. But And I know you want to talk about the penalty killing too. Wow, that's to, to me like every every team's got their issues, and, and definitely penalty killing is definitely. It, it, this is a tough one to pick on too, because at the end of the day, Colorado is a very solid up and down team, no matter how you look at them. Um, but again, you want to look at the, some issues that they want to focus on and maybe stay on top of, and that's definitely their their power uh, their penalty kill. They're twentieth in the league, but of the top four teams, the Carolina, Tampa, Florida, and Colorado, they're dead last. So this can come back to haunt them, you know, down the road, especially in the playoffs. Like you always want to yeah. find things to improve on, like I said, but clearly this is this is their Achilles heel. Um, but <laughs> I mean, we're we're still talking about a, a team that's ranked third in the league in goals for and eighth in goals against. So they may not be very good at killing penalties, but at least they're a good team. To, they're smart enough not to get that many penalties. But that kind of goes hand in hand with another stat that I know you like because certain teams do need a certain balance of skill sets. And one of those skill sets is grit. And they don't really have that. And this is something I'm a little bit surprised at. 
because they're actually <clears throat> where is it can we say that the grid is okay yeah, so they're uh yeah so that's the thing they're actually one of the worst teams for hitting they're at the bottom i think they're in 27th or 26th uh for hitting but ottawa is number one so keep it's that in mind. physicality yeah <laughs> but that's the thing Lacking like they a don't, little bit of physicality yeah like maybe that's part of it's and as i'm thinking about it now this is interesting so they need that maybe they need that grit to, to you know to finally to just get over that hump and then in the playoffs really take them further but maybe they don't maybe that's exactly why they're able to with um uh weather the storms of penalty killing which they're so bad at so they can't, you know, they, they can't defend the net worth shit when they're killing penalties, but at least they're not getting penalties. And the yeah. reason they're not getting penalties is because they're, they don't have that grit. They're not getting in your face and trying to get physical about it. They're just going to skate around you and keep puck possession because yeah. they're one of the best puck possession teams in the NHL. So maybe that's their, that's their, 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 um, their, their, they're just not getting, they're not getting in the trouble, but when they do get in trouble, it, it, it can go sideways a little bit for them. That's yeah, the problem. They're paying for it. The only thing, the only thing I worry about, Marty, and you know, uh, the nice thing about having this podcast is we can go back into our archives and go into some of our recordings, right? Yeah. And I am definitely not jumping on any kind of Calgary Flames bandwagon, but we've talked about this, Marty, and yeah. I stay steadfast with my prediction. Even after last night? Uh, or Saturday? Uh, is it No, it was a Sunday? They lost 3-0. nothing. Dude. Dude, uh, hey, Colorado. listen, and, and 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 I'm gonna be honest with you, as a fan, yeah, that couldn't have gone any better for me, right? Because Ooh. Colorado's Colorado's coming into that game, okay, and hey, man, that's a measuring stick big time for Colorado. Let's call it what it is, okay? Yep. Because if I'm the Flames, if I'm the Flames, I walk into that matchup and I'm like, no, no, if anybody's got to play up to somebody, you got to play up to us, son. They right? have that swagger for what, sure. I don't care what the standings show or whatever. That is a well-oiled machine out there oh, in Alberta, yeah. okay? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I'm talking about the Flames. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so and, and, this just run, and this just runs to my point and kind of ties into exactly what you're saying. Not exactly a, uh, an overly physical team in Colorado. I mean, yeah. not a lot of hitting down there. And I just feel like whenever they run into a Calgary Flames team, I think that's where it ends, Marty. I really, really do. I mean, I, I love Colorado. I love a lot of stuff that they're doing. And I, and I, I think they've, they've got some pieces in New Hook and some other, uh, some other players down there, uh, particularly on defense. Mm -hmm. If they decide to keep Byram, Bowen Byram, th this is going to be... They've said they've got a lot of youth that's still to come into this oh, lineup. Yeah. If they oh, so yeah. if they so choose to keep it and not trade trade it away for something now, yeah. but but I will say, you know, there, I would say the Leafs are Colorado light in regards to that because I yeah. kind of think they're both similar in regards to the fact that they're not overly physical. But I also yeah. think that Colorado's got way more gumption than Toronto has in regards to it's just it's offense overall, and I think that yeah. they would be able to weather or or you know, get further down the line in the playoffs than the Leafs would. But yeah, yep. I mean, to end, to, to end here on the, the first on the, round. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so, I mean, you know what, like Cody, Bryce, Nick, I, I loving your avalanche boys, loving them. And but it's, if they run into the Calgary Flames, I, I gotta, I gotta say, boys, I think that might be the end for you. So it's funny too because last night, if you want to use last night's game as a measure, there's a lot of stats in this game that kind of 
or it's let's say this is a playoff game. Let's say it's it's Calgary versus uh, Colorado, okay? And it's you know best seven, okay? They're in the playoffs. So let's say this is the first game. Cumper comes in, makes a forty-six save performance for a shutout. Um, obviously, it wouldn't be Vladar. Very impressive. Obviously, it, w- <clears throat> it wouldn't be Vladar starting for Calgary, but in the, on this day, it was. Yeah. He only let in two. Uh, to, out of 31 shots, so he didn't, he didn't, he didn't exactly stink up the place either. He did very well. He held his own, and plus the team around him, obviously playing very, very well. A um, couple other things too is McKinnon scored two goals, ran in obviously a goal and assist, playing very well. But you know they didn't have Landis Gog, they didn't have Byram, they didn't have, even Gerard. What's up with Gerard? What's his injury now? All of a sudden, you know what? Uh, that just happened a couple of days yeah. ago too, and I. Hold on a second here. I feel that's another that's another mystery one as well that came out of nowhere, and I'm not sure what the deal is with him as well because now on their defense, because Gerard is a very, very good player, so their second defensive pairing is Murray and Johnson, and third is Johnson and McDermott. So they got Taze and, and McCarr playing together on the first line, so they're a little bit thinner now on D, which doesn't bode well for them, but, you know, Cumper came through with the 46... So my point is, is that, okay, so the first game, you know, Colorado wins, you know, and it's a shutout, but it's not really, it's not like it was five, nothing. It's not like it's a game that just got away from Calgary. It's a game that they won. It's a game that you can say Cumper probably got a little bit lucky with. And I think this is where Calgary, this is where you're right. This is where Calgary could show that, you know, game two, look out. It's going to be much more physical in game two. They're going to come out swinging for you. Look for Luchik to start a fight or two, or at the very least start throwing some very heavy hits. Uh, and then you got a couple of the guys who Gubnerson who can actually throw some hits as well. Uh, Richie. But anyways, basically, Calgary as a whole is going to come out pretty hard. And I think that's how you catch Avalanche um, off guard. I think that's how you throw them off their game nice and early. And I think the Flames win the second game. And I think it kind of goes back and forth a little bit, but I think this is where the Avalanche need to be worried because I don't know that Cumper could continue to do a 46-game shutout performance. Second game comes in, you're going to get peppered again, but this time your players are going to be a little bit more on the on their back end, of their heels because they're being so the Calgary's being so aggressive. You're going to let in a few because your defense and yourself maybe you're a little bit worried too. So now, what happens in the third game? You don't have an answer. Your answer is to come back a little bit more offensively, but if Calgary at that point, who they've got their own set of offensive skills as well, they can keep up with you. Maybe not in every line, but they can keep up with you, and they can keep you wondering, and they can keep you physical. If you try to match them physically, I'm sorry, Colorado, I don't think you can. So, I, Mike, I think you, you brought up a good point here in that if they meet each other, this might be more about Calgary than Colorado, though. This might be more about what Sutter's done with Calgary and how well he has got his players committed to this system and how it's a machine, man. It a hundred percent. Absolutely. These are all little cogs in a big machine, and he's putting the grease in the right spots, and these guys are just turning. And with Markson playing the way he's playing too, did he not set a record earlier in the year for most consecutive shutouts or something like that? Like he's just been on disgusting fire. Whether exactly whether he has or hasn't set any kind of a record, like he's been. uh, I mean, uh, you could arguably say that, in particular, maybe for our league, Marty, uh, that Markstrom has been easily 
one of the most consistent goaltenders that we've had in our league for sure. Like, I mean, Ryan's just putting him in every week. No <laughs> question. Forget it. And 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 you know you're gonna get some production out of him, right? Like you just, oh yeah. It it, it feels like I'd okay. have to go back Jeez. and actually check. Hold on but, a second. I gotta I, say this. I gotta say this. so. So for 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 points as a total, okay. So leading the league right now, we all know, and we're, so our defensemen's in our league, they get an extra point for for goals, which Kyle McCarr is just destroying the league in that regard right mm-hmm. now. So Kyle McCarr on him, on his own, he's actually leading our league in points with eighty six points. In 56 games because he's got 21 friggin' goals. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> On his man. own, he's got 65 points in 56 games, but because of the extra point for goals, he's got 86 points, right? And then you got McDavid and Huberto each with 83. Okay, so 86 is leading the league, but for goalies, because you get two points for a win and you get five points for a shutout, Markstrom's leading the way. He's got nine shutouts, 91 points. Unbelievable, eh? That is absolutely disgusting to have 91 points in 46 games, a record of 28, 11, and 9 with a 207 and 928. Oh, my God. This is disgusting, and I'm just catching my eye on this, though. Guess who's number two? Tristan Jerry. (laughs) Tristan Jerry. Really? This is more kudos to Pittsburgh, but I've already covered them enough to to just let that one go. But, yeah, you got Markstrom and Jerry leading the leagues, or sorry, are one and two. For points in our league, isn't that disgusting? Ninety-one and seventy-eight. That's a quite the drop, though. Ninety-one points to seventy-eight for first and second. Yeah, I know. Like Markstrom is just ripping it up. Eh? <laughs> it's it's. He's got nine shutouts. He's got probably another fifteen if they decide to rest him. Another let's say fifteen game, fifty more. If he if he gets the way he's been playing, he can have another ten shutouts. But we'll say three. He'll end the season with twelve. Shutouts. What is the record? For most shutouts in the season, do you know? Talk a like, little bit, Mike. Like that, look at this. Like, like that's that's two worlds coming together, and just like the love is just incredible, right? Like the system <laughs> that Sutter plays in Calgary, and I mean, Markstrom is already a good goaltender, right? Like he's you know took him a while, but once he found his footing in Vancouver, he really kind of settled in there. And I mean, again, this guy's pretty much money here the past like what three four years easily. Yeah. So. So the, I mean, the that, record that with the system that they play. Wow, man. Well, you know what? With that's the thing with this system, he might get there because the record for shutouts. This is pretty impressive, though. Take a guess. Take a guess. Uh, guess how many is the record, and who who you think has it? Sixteen. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why. I want to say Tony Esposito. <gasps> You are absolutely amazing. It's 15 and Tony Esposito. You're amazing. That is that is impressive, my friend. Impressive. Are you cheating? Did you just Google that? Oh man. No, I I I'll take a screenshot of my uh, laptop here and you'll see exactly. Well done, my friend. Hey, thanks, man. Thank you. You lead the show from now on. I'm gonna sit back. I'm gonna just listen to you. Whatever. Well, I I will awesome. I will say this so I, I I know we got to get off the avalanche because we can't have a whole program devoted to the avalanche, <laughs> but but I will leave the avalanche with this little tidbit, and once I say this, well, it's a trade, and it's involving the avalanche. Hypothetical, obviously, but I think that think this could be a juicy one, and once I mention the trade, I will leave it open to you, to the Colorado Avalanche. Again, hypothetical. Okay. JT Miller. 
JT Ooh. Miller to the Avalanche. Now, keep in mind, he's got another year on, on his contract yeah. next year. So you'll be getting two playoff runs with him. Okay. What's, what's the cap hit? Going do, back, you know? going, um, I think he's at like 5.7 or 5. It's oh. really reasonable, man. Okay. Go, going to the Canucks. Okay. One Alex Newhook. Followed up by Bowen Byram. Whoa. And and a first round entry draft pick. Ah. Yes, guy. Yes, guy. You think it takes that so, much to get JT Miller? Here here's here's my reasoning, right? So JT Miller, like I said, you're getting two cracks at, at a playoff with him, right? And that it it is at a cap hit of under six million. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's under six. I'm gonna have a look. You get new. You get new hook. Okay. Yeah. You know, good, good player, 16th overall a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. See, like you, you can see the skill, but obviously, uh, no opportunity for first line minutes or any of that kind of business. It really depends on how the Avalanche feel about him, which I have not, no idea about. The reason I'm throwing Bull and Byram in there is one, he's got a log jam on that team between Gerard. Between Devin Tays, between yeah, that's, Kale that McCarr, is true. That is it's true. a it's a log jam. And yeah. and are the Avalanche ready to move on from him with the concussion history that he's had? Because he's had a lot of injuries here at the start of his career. Okay, so do they kind of say let's move on from this guy and get Miller out of it? And then of course you're going to throw in the first round pick because it's going to be like one of the last two to three picks of the round. So well. As long, so, as long as they go deep. As long as they go deep. So cap-wise, so you cap you're close. Because between Newhook and Byram, you're at 1.7. Oh, no, actually, it's 894. No, sorry. So it's actually 1.8. And they've got about three available right now. So if you take on JT, whose cap hit is 5.4, you're, you need to free up um, 1.4. Actually, you know what? No, that does it. So, holy shit. And you would now, get him for an extra year or two. Wow. And the, other, and the other reason why I'm even going after JT Miller is because we just talked about it. You get a little bit of sandpaper in the deal, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, what That's I... That's interesting. Uh, you know what? There was another little tidbit I was going to say about Miller, but I'm going to save that for later. What? Uh, okay. Tease, put the carrot in front of me. There, you better. It, when you say later, it's you know during the show today, right? Not like next week. Oh yeah, buddy. All right. Oh yeah, it's in our beauties and the beast. Mm. Well, mm. That is beautiful. Then, all right. Oh, well, yes, then guy. let's try to get there. Let's go to uh, Oily Habs then. Unless, sorry, was okay. there anything else around? Oh no, you know what? I did want to mention. What did, What were your thoughts about the um, the suspension on Matthews? Oh yes, yes. Okay. Um. If okay, if we're just looking at this in like one lens and we're looking at it from exactly what happened on the ice, stick to the neck, yes, two games done over with. I mean, I wouldn't have even really sniffed at it had it been like three games, even like I'm two games seems to be the going thing, so okay, whatever. As much as I am a Habs fan and I could really care less what happens to the Leafs, honestly. I will say I will say this about Austin Matthews and and maybe maybe I'm wrong and maybe I just haven't seen him flop or or try to get calls and and, and fall down on the ice. 
But from what I've seen about Austin Matthews is he definitely isn't a guy that, that seems to go down easily and is going to try and get the call just to get the call, okay? Right. Because to a certain extent, he could have done that yesterday with Darlene yeah, and hit the true. ice and probably got the call, okay? So what I'm trying to say here is I've got a lot of admiration for him that way because I don't think he's much of a flopper. If this guy goes down to the ice, it's because he got hammered. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Or, or, or thereof, you know what I mean? Yeah. So what I'm getting to long and short here is I do think that Matthews does take a fair bit of abuse. He's a big boy. And, I mean, just look at Darlene yesterday, right? Like alone. Uh, yeah. Like he was giving him the business, bud. Yeah. He, he was giving him the business. And, you know, like keep in mind that this guy's probably being checked like that or close to it most every night. So oh, one, yeah. I can very much, I can very much understand where he loses his cool, because he did. He lost his cool. He was pissed off. They were losing the game, the whole nine yards. So, yeah. uh, but but uh, to balance that out, Marty, I do think that where maybe some other star players would, oh, you know what? I can feel the stick in my skates. I'm going down. Now maybe that's yeah. a bad example because maybe Matthews would do it in that case too. But I'm, you, you get where I'm going here. I do. Yeah. He's just he does he doesn't go down easily. He doesn't milk and I things. Think that may, no, no. And and I think that maybe he you know everything went as it should. Like you know he doesn't go down easy and and I don't think he ever should. I mean I don't think it's it's in his game. I think he's got a lot of respect for the game that way. But at the same time though, what he did yesterday I think warranted the two game suspension. Yep. Done. Yeah, and, that's, and I think that's the main thing. I think you're right. I think, um, you know, in the heat of the moment... He should be getting more calls, man. He should be getting more calls. Absolutely. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that aside for a second and just say in that moment, uh, he got, you know, his emotions got the best of him. He did something he, he knows he shouldn't do. You shouldn't use your stick as a weapon. You shouldn't cross-check somebody across the neck. You shouldn't do that. Um, but he, you know, he got, he, he, there was a moment that got away from him. We're all guilty of that. Nobody's perfect. Um, luckily Darlene didn't get injured as a result of it. it didn't get any uglier than what it did. Uh, he got two games completely justifiable. I think two games is probably the best <laughs> the NHL has ever gotten one of these situations, right? I think this is as close to perfection as they have ever been. Um, he's got no history of this stuff. But it's a dangerous play. Um, you don't. You give one game, and it shows that you're. Then you're going to hear everybody say, "Oh, well, the NHL favors you know the Toronto Maple Leafs because the Maple Leafs are the center of the world and da, 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 whatever." So you got away from that because you gave him two games because it's also a awesome Matthews. He's the right now. He is arguably the best player in the world. The way he's playing. So you give him two games. That hurts a lot of people. So it makes sense. So I do believe this is, on the one hand, uh, Matthews is not this kind of player. So it's 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 a one-off, and you can almost. I'm not sorry. I'm not trying to justify it, but in that moment, nobody's perfect, right? Like man, Darlene was really giving him the business in the net. Uh, he Marty, was. You- you and I would have taken our sticks and almost given him a fucking tomahawk I, chop oh, with a damn stick. We, like, my name's Marty for a reason. I would have McSorley the hell out of that moment. <laughs> but no, you listen. know what? Like, I mean, he he got what he, he got what he what he deserved, and and uh, I mean, 
I, I'm I'm pretty damn sure how the conversation w- went is you know yeah I know what I did wrong and yep. I'll take the games and, and whatever. Yep. Like you say, the the unfortunate thing is is things are so unstable right now when it comes to the Leafs. In particular, not even so much with the team, but in particular the fan base. That like any kind of time missed by this guy right now. Yeah. And, anyway, who's like, stepping just, in for uh, Matthews right now? <laughs> oh, stepping for Matthews. Spezza, like, he's t- been a healthy scratch. We'll put Spezza on the top line. <laughs> Dude, when I watched that Heritage Classic game, and at the end of the game, you got Peaky Blinders up there, Shanahan and uh, <laughs> yeah. and Dubas. Nice. <laughs> anyway, those uh, two guys, like he he turns his back, and you just know yep. that these guys. You know what these guys are praying for? A week of normalcy. Like true Campbell, yeah. Campbell actually playing yep. better than average. Uh, Matthews not being suspended. <laughs> yeah. You know, like Muzzin, yeah. Muzzin in the lineup. Yeah. Maybe they add a defenseman. Like yeah. man, uh, this team, this management team is wishing for like just a normal week. Just give me a normal yeah, week, just man. Take, just take the spotlight off of us for just one <laughs> goddamn week. <laughs> Like it, I, I, there's an element to being uh, in the Toronto Maple Leafs organization that my heart does yep. go out to them a little bit because it, holy, it never holy, ends. The spotlight never ends. is just forever on everybody. Like there's always a million and one questions, and a million of them are ridiculous. Honestly, oh, it, yeah. it's, it, it, I don't. I get the passion, I get the love for it, and and I get the the concept of like you know you get paid millions to do this, and the, so it's part of your job that, that all that kind of bullshit. But really, I would have a hard time constantly having to answer the same types of questions all the friggin' time, and and with a fan base that is always just on, right on the edge to start a parade as much as push you off the bridge. Like that's <laughs> it is a difficult fan base to to keep happy, but. You know, the thing is, is they're the first ones to say, you know, we suck. The, the season's over after, you know, they go 0-1-1. And, and then they're the first one to plan the parade when they've won yeah. three in a row. Like, so hey, man. take the good with the bad. Just like just like my team. Just like my team. True. We're the same that's, way. That's true. Montreal. We're, we're and the same way. You're just you the, lose three games in the goddamn friggin', you know, <laughs> the, the world's the world's falling apart. That's true. And, you know, like like these guys win win three games in a row. And, oh, okay, let's get the parade. Okay, we're going that's down right. the street and here. Yeah. You know, turn over here. This is the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. So, I mean, so, you know what? That segues pretty, pretty beautifully into our, uh, our early Habs here. Yeah. And you know what? Um, when it comes to the Habs, I mean, we, we all know the type of season that it's been overall yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, 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 and over the last week, uh, yes, the momentum was kind of halted a little bit here with a couple losses to the Canucks and the Kraken. But, uh, you know, That's Marty, your we've picks. talked about That's this for too. That's your picks. At the, uh, and, and you know what? And at the end of the day, oh, jeez, I did there it, it is. again. There it is. got a drink now. Ah, uh, there it is. Uh, let's take a sip. Mm-hmm. Uh, glub, glub, glub. Thank you. So, so I mean, it, yes, the momentum has stopped. But, I mean, when it comes to this team and, and when it comes to the management team in particular, they're looking for the culture shift. They're looking yeah. for player yeah. growth. They're looking for player development, and all that's happening. Yep. You know, Suzuki another another great week. That things are continuing well with him. Cole Caulfield, Nita Seymour, doing exactly <laughs> what they drafted him for. Oh, uh, God, you know, awesome to and, see. And, and and you know what, Marty? Uh, a couple of people that I wanted to hit on this week as well. Now, again, keeping this in context of what's been going on in Montreal, okay. I mean, there there have been some pleasant surprises with that team. You know, Michael Pizzetta, kind of a fourth liner coming in there with the wicked hair. He's got the great (laughs) flow. He's got the great flow going on. You know, very important in in hockey, though. And I'm not I'm not saying that as a joke. 
And, and you know what, Marty? You and I both know this type of player, and anybody who's who's a big hockey fan and, and who's been in, in hockey pools over the years, you know, he's that type of guy comes in, you know, probably, you know, loosens the, 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 the locker room up a little bit. He's yeah. the guy that'll, this guy's going to kind of fight anybody. I mean, he's a smaller yeah. guy, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm, you know, but he's kind of a take on all comers. Uh, I, I just, I wanted to give him a little shout out. I mean, you know, this is a guy that's, this is a guy that's not like first line or anything, but, you know, comes in there, makes the most of, most of his opportunity while this team was in shambles and good on him, you know. Another yeah. one is uh, Brett, Brett Kulak on the, uh, on the defensive end. You know, this guy's played himself to, to potentially, you know, being moved by Montreal and not in a bad way. Like, I mean, the guy's actually garnering interest from other teams for some out of depth here uh, for the uh, for the stretch run. So, you know what? Good on him. He's been playing pr- pretty well. I don't have any stats here for you guys, but I mean, uh, these are two players that have been playing fairly well here with the situation that's been going on in Montreal. And the last but not least is uh, Sam Montalbo in, uh, in Nets. I mean, Marty... This guy came into a, a situation where uh, I don't I, I don't I don't think many people would have reacted very well. You're going into one of the meccas of hockey in the world. Okay, we're not just talking Canada. We're talking the world with the Leafs and and, and Toronto and such. Comes in there, you know, you, you're trying to fill the shoes of Carey Price in one way or another. Like no matter which way you slice it or dice it here. Like, you know, the, the fan base is thinking Carey Price, so that's what they've gotten used to. And whether you're that type of goaltender or not, that's just what they expect, right? So, yeah. I mean, he comes in there under some really hard circumstances, playing really well. Of course, everything's kind of turned up a little bit here ever since Marty St. Louis taken over, and, and good on him. I, I wish these guys nothing but the best when it comes to that. I mean, they had so much adversity and so much just yeah. kind of toxicity for a while. Good yeah. on him. I hope the rest of the year kind of continues the way it's been going, especially for our youth. And, you know, we'll see where we end up here at the end of the day. I was kind of reading some Twitter posts the other day, and uh, they were mentioning how Montreal's won like seven of eight. It's a perfect world. They've won seven of eight, and they're still in last place in the league first overall, (laughs) right? So, anywho, I'll leave it on that. Other Other than to say, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, Marty, young guy by the name of Joshua Roy. He plays for the Sherbrooke Phoenix yeah. in the uh, Quebec yeah. Major Junior League. Yeah. I don't have any stats here for you, folks, but uh, rest assured, he's continued to play well, and if I'm not mistaken, still leads the QMJHL in scoring as well. So, yeah. you know, good on him, and uh, it's something to look forward to for sure. Listen, I, there's there's one more thing I'll, I'll talk about <clears throat> Montreal, and this is an interesting thing to mention because I had seen it on – it's got to be Twitter because I'm all over Twitter – so Saint Louis and Drouin are actually pretty tight, as it turns out. They're they're actually a, a, a good. There there was a quick clip of them sort of skating around, shooting the shit and laughing and stuff, and they're almost like the same height and everything too. So there's a little bit of similarity there. But anyways, the sort of the concept there was that Saint Louis is trying to do something with with Drouin, who obviously has had more hype than success in his career, um, be it in Tampa or now Montreal. Um, like last year, <laughs> two goals, 23 points in 44 games, not exactly a good year. But this year, 20 points, 32 games, a lot of injuries this year. That's kind of been the issue. But maybe with St. Louis, something changes because it seems everything changes with St. Louis and the way things have been going in Montreal. So what I'm going to suggest is that Maybe something happens. Maybe St. Louis is the one that gets Drouin to come out of it 
and really be the guy who had 108 points in Halifax who had a, or 105 or, you know, even that year he had in Tampa where he scored 21 goals at 53 points. Maybe St. Louis is that missing piece for Duluain to actually step in because they, they, they seem to be buds. They seem to be on a different level. I don't know that I've ever seen Duluain be, you know, buds with his coach. Uh, maybe that's what it, the situation was like in Halifax. But I don't know. When I saw that and I, I was reading some of the comments and I heard the, the announcements a little bit or the, the story a little bit, it sounded like there was something there between them two, a little bit of a bromance. And maybe sometimes that's all you need, right? It's just to somebody look at you a little bit differently. And maybe St. Louis, yeah. and that's... I mean, that's what St. Louis has sort of been known to do. He's, ever since he's been there, he said it. He's like, I'm going to let the players do what they've been drafted to do or traded for. And that's exactly what Duane is. And, and Or maybe that's exactly what's been missing from him. And, and it's just the ability to do what he's what he's always done at his best. And St. Louis is like, you know what? Now's the time, man. Just go ahead and do it. Because we're kind of seeing it in a sense. Like his production's gone up a smidge. It's not great. But maybe what you need is a full season. And you'll see something different. So look to, in my opinion, I would look to Duane to, to see. It'd be interesting to see what's going to happen on a full season with St. Louis next year. I wouldn't be that caught off guard if Duane turns his, it turns in a really good season. I'm not going <laughs> to stop short of saying turns his career around. But maybe he turns in an impressive season next year. And it's it's thanks to St. Louis. Well, I, I think uh, St. Louis can kind of tap into him that way, right? I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say they're carbon copies of each other in regards to stature no. and, 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 and and the way they play. But mm-hmm. I think where the, the meeting of the minds kind of comes in is th- they're both offensive-minded players, right? I mean, yeah. you know, whenever you thought of Marty St. Louis, I'm not saying that he wasn't a good defensive player, but you certainly didn't think defense. It was no. a creativity, offense. So, you know what? And... and, and I mean, we've seen the effect he's had on Suzuki and in particular Caulfield. And I, I know I kind of talk about those two in particular, but I mean, let's face it. This is definitely part of the 100% core that we're going to be moving forward with here. That's true. So, you know, and, and, and I do think that Drew, I think he can tap into Drew. I really do, uh, you know, with, with some of the uh, personal issues he's had over the past couple of years here and, you know, trying to find his footing. And this year was kind of tough for everybody. Really, any player in the organization at one point looked like they were playing horribly, right? So, I mean, I don't think there's going to be any kind of an issue. Look, I, I don't know if you're going to be getting 85 points out of Drew. As a matter of fact, I can almost guarantee you, you won't. But yeah. is Marty St. Louis able to get 70 68, 65 points out of this guy. I, I think he's a 65-point player without a doubt, Marty. Yep. And if you can start pushing into the 70s, I think you got yourself, you know, I think you got what you can max out on. I th- And I think Montreal would take that. I think Montreal would be very happy to take a 65-point oh, yeah. season out of Jonathan Duway and then turn around and sign him to another contract, obviously less than what he had been mating, making. But, you know, you can get more than what he's been producing. I, and I think it takes something like a St. Louis situation where you can get that from him. So I, I do, you know, call me a, a hopeful optimist, but I do think there's something there. I, I do think St. Louis is the kind of coach that can pull that kind of stuff out of his players. Um, I think we've seen it already. I, and I'm saying all this and, you know, it's, you know, it's pie in this eye and what, what's the saying pie in the sky, whatever it's pie, rainbows, yeah. it's unicorns. It, it, if we're being honest about this, St. Louis doesn't even have a full season under his belt. Like maybe next year, this yeah. is all for naught. And St. Louis just, the whole system just falls apart. And it just doesn't work in a season where there's higher expectations and more things that are expected because we've been, you know, mm. we've been blessed with whatever we've had in the last you know month or so with, with St. Louis. Yeah. 
But if all things go right, Drouet next year produces well, then, you know, Montreal's going to be the better for it. Hell, you might make a couple of moves and you guys might not be that far off from a playoff spot. So I don't want to jinx anything there, but, uh, you know, who knows? You know, (laughs) there's nowhere to go but up because if you can lose, if you can win seven games in a row and still be at the bottom of the NHL standings, then (laughs) there's no place, there's no place but up then. Well, I mean, the the last thing I will say on the Habs, Marty, and, you know, we kind of touched on this a couple of weeks back as well. <laughs> Look, the the year this year has been what it is. It's It has been horrible on an overall and, and, and the whole nine yards. But I think there are some pieces there. And, look, I, I, I'm not even going to go as far as a playoff spot. But I think, you know, I think where our problem is going to be here because I do foresee both Sherratt and if not – if not at the deadline, I, I would have to assume Montreal's going to, you know, look to potentially move Petrie out here at some point, just because of the uh, the time the timeline, right? He doesn't he's not going to be fitting with the timeline anymore here, and no. uh, at the end of the day, at, it's going to cost him the six million. I think it's six point two five million per yeah. year for another couple of years. My my point is is that I think Montreal's going to be hurting a little bit on the defensive end here for the next couple of years, but I do think in regards to a team that can score. Listen, I don't think they're going to be top ten, Marty. I, I, I'd be comfortable in saying something, you know, maybe top 15, 15, 16, 17, right yeah, in that wheelhouse. Yeah, they hold their own, that's for sure. Well, and, and, that, and that's kind of where I'm going. Like, this is a team that'll be able to put the puck in the net from time to time and, you know, yeah. have the odd game where it's, you know, a five or a four-goal outburst, six-goal outburst. Yeah. But I think where they're going to be hurting a little bit here over the next little while is the defensive side of things. Yeah. But, you know, the, again, we've got some uh, we've got some prospects that are coming up the pipeline there as well. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, I guess what I'm hopeful for is maybe a little bit of a quicker turnaround but by the same token though marty i i I don't want to make a quick turnaround at the expense of just kind of you know having to go down this road again in like five or six years or seven years down the road let's do this let's stay competitive for like the better part of a decade or you know uh, you know a team that is 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 a contender at the very least for you know pushing a decade six seven eight years there so I'm kind of teetering on it all. I mean, I, I, I guess it's just a matter here over the next couple of years of who they can really move out, right? Like, I mean, yeah. like like I've talked about, guys like a Josh Anderson, I think, and, you know, Brendan Gallagher, these are going to be yeah. kind of hard to to move out. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But you know what? I mean, it is what it is, and the youth is doing exactly what they want it to do, and I'm pretty sure that the management team's pretty thrilled. Yeah, that's true. Um. So onto the oily segment and listen, I don't, I, I, as much as, you know, there was a, there's a big positive to take from this last week with the win against uh, Tampa at four one and even the OT win of four three against Washington, where, you know, it looked like a rejuven, rejuvenated McDavid. And it's a ridiculous thing to say because it's not like McDavid's necessarily faltered at all, but he did look different in that game. He looked like he had a, a, a for lack of a better word, a more youthfulness to him. Maybe he seemed like he was having a little bit more fun in that game is what I'm getting at. Um, but it does none of this shit matters. Like it, it's it's all smoke and mirrors still. Like my, my feeling on this hasn't changed at all um, because I'm at the point now where I think what's going to happen and it's just going to be, it's going to be hilarious when it does happen is that Toronto is going to go out and get a goalie before Edmonton does. And Toronto has not had a goalie issue as long as Edmonton has had. And I just think that's hilarious. And it, and it shines a, an unnecessary 
And I say unnecessary because we're all aware of it. So it's not like it, it needs to happen, but it does shine at a somewhat unnecessary spotlight on Ken Holland when this happens. I don't know if it's if, I think it's when, because I think the media and the way things play out in Toronto, they're going to feel it and they're going to have to go out because Peter Mrazek is not an answer at all. Uh, Campbell has been struggling, is now injured. Um, I st- again, I, I still stand, stand pat that Campbell will be fine and he will right this ship. But I do think it makes sense for for Toronto to do something like go out and get a Holtby um, or or someone else. But I, I think it'll be funny because again, this is Edmonton's problem. Toronto came and stepped in and said, "No, this is our problem now." Like, no, 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 the goalie situation that's ours. You can't just take that from us. We need the goalies. That's our, that's our issue. You take that away from us. Now we got nothing. So, like, what is the point of us now of having a shitty year if you're gonna go out and get the goalie and we're not and we're just gonna stand pat with Koskinen? All right, fine then. Fuck it, whatever. Like that's where I'm at with them. I, I'm at a I'm at a fuck it whatever with Edmonton Oilers because it it that's that's just been this year. So much so that Toronto's gonna come in and scoop up the goalie that we should have gone out and picked up about three months ago. Like, all right, fine, whatever. Who cares? The season's shot. We're not in the playoffs. It's ridiculous. Nothing, nothing is good. We can beat Tampa 4-1 and it won't make a lick of difference. And that's exactly what happened. So I don't know, man. Like, what's left to say about these guys? Um, you know, McDavid looks a little bit better, but it's just—it's still all for naught. Like, it's—it's it's just empty promises, and it—and it's—I it, it, don't know. I—I I got nothing left. I, my well, I mean, <laughs> you know what? As a Habs fan, like, you know, it kind of went south early for us. So, you know, we've just been riding that kind of wave right the whole year. I try to put myself in an Edmonton Oilers fan's mindset. So I've got two of the best players in the world. In the world. I think they're I think they're seven and eight years in. Yeah. I I've I have been riding pardon my French, a fucking roller coaster (laughs) all year long with these guys. Okay? Into maybe even as far back as the summer, whenever they signed Mike Smith, like yeah, I I, I just l- listen. You know what? Like wh- wh- for me, it's a case where it's at this point, it's strap in, hold on tight, and enjoy whatever ride you're about to go on, Oilers fans, because I I I I don't know where where you're going. I'm I, you're teeter you're teetering on a playoff spot, okay. The, the the chamber the gun it's empty like there are no more bullets man there's none <laughs> evander kane last bullet okay like i i just i don't know where i don't know where this team's going and i think more importantly i don't know what this team is I think that's part of the the biggest issue with all the. You kind of touched on a little bit where you said it's been a roller coaster for the Edmonton Oilers fans, and and I, as much as that, emotionally yes, but figuratively no. Just because a roller coaster, at least you get the, you get the the benefits of going, you know, click 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 click. Oh, we're going up, we're going up. Something's gonna happen, and then bam, something happens. That's a roller coaster. Whereas with Edmonton, you go click click click, you go up, and like, oh, we're just gonna sit here. Nothing's gonna happen. 
but we've got all these options. Oh no, we're just going to stay like this. We're going to stay at a 90 degree angle and nothing's going to happen. We know what should happen. We know we should go over the horizon and head down, but no, we're not even going to do that. What are we going to do? Oh, we're going to click, click backwards now a little bit. Oh, okay. That's a bit weird. Not really sure why. Oh, more. Oh, okay. I don't know. Go back up. Oh, okay. like that's, that's been more, uh, more metaphorically speaking. That's been more of what this year has been where there has been glaring issues and just the stand pat, you know, the answers in the locker room. I'm going to put on a press conference and say nothing uh, and say that even at this point, first first round picks are off. The t- what do you mean first round picks are off the table, man? This is your dynasty and you're not willing to go all in. Like you, you're holding two aces and you're, there's one showing on the flop and you're not going all in. Like, come on, man. What is... What do you want? When when is it better than now to sell what you got to get the the ships to get the championships and to get the dynasty going? When the first one, I guarantee you, the second one's not going to be easier, but you're gonna there's going to be more enthusiasm behind it all. Everyone's going to feel it like, all right, let's go. This is the this is the dynasty. Let's roll with it because this is. I don't know if it's well, not this year, it's not better next year. You said that last year, and we were in the playoffs. So you didn't sell it last year. You're not selling it this year. You got worse. Look look at what it, it got you. It got you nowhere. In fact, it got you backwards. Your mentality isn't working. Change. I mean, they they haven't they have not played up to a level or standard for me to think that they will be a playoff team. Okay? No. I mean, at the end of the day, you can go up and down the standings. You can look at all the numbers. You can go on NHL.com, check it all Say out. Caca. But right now, they're not giving me the belief that they're going to be a playoff team. And you know what's funny, too? I was talking with your dad today through text, and we were talking about the Leafs and mental fortitude and how right. that seems to be a bit of an issue. You know, Marty, we have touched on it with the Oilers, too. And I, 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 need, I need somebody to lead. Like I need yeah. somebody to lead. And 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 you know what? I'm actually gonna go ahead and I was gonna save this for the beauties and the beast, Marty. In regards to JT Miller. Do you wanna know what I want? This is what I want. <laughs> this is what I want. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead here and, and and give people what they what they really want. One of my beauties was JT Miller. Now, listen guys, 23 points in the last eleven games. This guy is going nuts, okay? Yeah. Like he could he could just be sitting in that locker room not saying a goddamn word, saying, "Hey, I'm doing my fucking part." The yeah. other night, and and I wish I remembered against which team it was, Marty. It was either the last game Vancouver played or the second to last one. Anyway, regardless, I, I who are they playing? I think they were playing Washington. It's going into the third period, so second intermission. Edmonton, yeah. Okay, uh, not yeah, Edmonton. Yeah. It was Washington. Washington. So Washington's in Vancouver, and I believe they were up two nothing at the end of the second period. Okay. So so second intermission comes up. Boudreaux's about to walk into the room. JT Miller walks up to him and says to, says these exact words. Don't come into the room. I don't want you to come in and talk to the team. In parentheses, I'll take care of this. I'll take care of this. Now, what? what I've got written here, what I've got written here is talk about leadership. What? Marty, he went in there, and I think they lost that game in overtime, but they got a point out of that game. They came back in that third period. Okay, you know, I'm always talking about I, I need some, I need somebody to lead, or I need somebody's got to put wow. them on their back. 
That's yep. what I'm talking about, guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so folks, you've already got one of my beauties this week, and he is a beaut this week. JT Miller, yeah. and that right there, folks. That's the type of stuff that I want on my team going into the playoffs. And I'll go back to my little trade, that hypothetical trade in Colorado. I'm not yeah. saying he goes to Colorado, but if anybody's making a play for this guy, he's definitely worth those players that I mentioned going back from the Avalanche and yeah. more in my personal opinion. Because you're you're getting everything with this guy. You're getting production, you're getting leadership, and you're getting another two years out of this sorry, two playoff runs out of this guy. Yeah. Like Marty. This is the type of guy. Now, I know that Edmonton just can't go out there and get him. I know Toronto just can't go out there and get him. But, folks, this is the type of player that you want to be rolling into the playoffs with at any point. Yep. Like, that's the kind of jam that I want whenever, whenever the going gets tough. And we all know how, it's, how tough it's going to get in the playoffs here. It will, and then we go for sure. And then we go, and then we go back to the discussion about the Avalanche, and how they're going to be missing out on on some of that sandpaper. So you know what? When it comes to the Oilers and when it comes to the Leafs, I don't know if they've got those players currently on the roster, and if they do, they better start speaking up because I'm telling you right now, these are two teams that listen. I, I I'll say it this way. These are two teams' fan bases who deserve a hell of a lot better than what they're getting right now. Plain and simple. They've been given Marty. the keys to the candy store and told not to eat a single thing. That's what it looks like, and it hurts. You can't keep oh, doing that to man. a fan base. And uh, and that's pretty impressive about JT Miller. I did not know that. That's a great thing to pull out, so thanks for finding that. Um, I do think... <clears throat> I do think that having a JT Miller helps your dressing room absolutely bar none. But I think uh, no matter how you slice it, <clears throat> your issue is not a JT Miller. Your issue, sorry, your issue isn't only a JT oh, Miller. Yeah, your, yeah. your issue isn't only leadership because I think you're right. I do think you're right. I think there's, I said it before, uh, McDavid's not a leader. Not yet. I think he'll get there fine, but he has not been this year. He has, and he is not a leader yet. I don't think he's, he hasn't either he hasn't experienced enough or he just doesn't have the character for it because that's sometimes that's the case too sometimes you're you're not built for the c you're more built for the a i still think i still think to this day that the c should have gone to dry and the a should have it should have stuck with uh with mcdavid and that's how you that's how you draw that up and i think that looks better and i think that in the long run i think you win more games but regardless of all that you don't have um anything in that so you don't have anything you can lean on because it, no matter how you slice it at any given point in a game in a series in a week uh in a hunt for a playoff spot in a hunt for a playoff win you're gonna need to lean on a goalie and if you simply cannot do that then you're simply not going to win and you're certainly not going to win enough to make it anywhere important let alone a dynasty, which is where the conversation is supposed to be by now. Seven, year is to, seven years and eight years into McDavid and Dreisaitl, we are supposed to be talking about something different, not the fact that they're not in the playoffs in their year sevens and eights. So 
this is just completely this plan is just completely blown up in our faces lord forgive me if they need uh, a rebuild i might walk um and it and i know it's some some you know shoot diehard fans of their their teams and no other teams and whatnot out there they're gonna be like oh then you're not a real fan listen i i'm speaking out of emotion i wouldn't walk but the i think that the fact remains is that if oh, they close i uh yeah and it's it, it and i know that some fans are are actually close there too and you know they all end up coming back it's all good but the point of it is is just to say that you know, we've poured our hearts and souls into the hopes of what we've got of McDavid and Dreisaitl. I, I, and I too, like at the beginning of this season, I saw, I saw every reason to believe that we were going down the right path. My predictions this year were that Koskinen was going to be a lot better. Uh, and I had hoped that Smith would be better. Um, but I never, I never believed in the Smith signing. I felt that that was a, you know, that was a plan D effort i do think holland tried to get somebody better in the offseason last year and just wasn't able to um but i also feel he wasn't i i think now i also feel that there was another element to that where holland wasn't willing to or maybe management or both maybe there were a couple of goalies and he either said nope that's too expensive or no we're or one way or another no that's too expensive we're not doing that we will settle with smith we're fine and I think that uh, willingness to go to Smith so quickly is coming back to bite them in the ass. And that was a poorly calculated risk on their part, and specifically Holland. And I think that's why Holland needs to shoulder all of the blame on this season. You can't blame McDavid or Dreisaitl. You can talk about leadership all you want. But if they didn't go into their their, their struggles and not present the struggles as a way of actually figuring out the issues quicker, Holland should have done something. What I mean is like you see issues as early as the Oilers did and you do nothing. You look at those issues as being an opportunity to fix something that you should have fixed sooner. But they were in a a December zone where those issues were pretty glaring. And that's a benefit because it's December that was a positive thing to see in December. You're going on a six-game losing streak and the coach isn't doing anything about it and your goalie stinks. That is a good thing because it's a really bad thing in April. But in December, it's a good thing because you've got time to do it. And Holland chose not to do it. In fact, he, again, he chose to do a press conference and say that the answer's in the dressing room. Holy shit, were you wrong. You were wrong then and you're way wrong now. So he didn't take the benefit of the timing that he had, and it's and it's 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 costing all the fans a much better season than we should have. Well, I mean, look, when you get to brass tacks here, Marty, if brass they don't tacks. make the play, if they don't make the playoffs, and I'll, I'll I'm going to call it the way I see it right now. I don't think they will. No, me neither. Um. That that that's going to be catastrophic, man. In terms of where that organization is at. Yeah. Now, for our podcast, it's going to give us all the goddamn content that we want. So, <laughs> br- br- bring bring it on if that's the case. No. But I just I I just I gotta wonder, Marty, if they don't make the playoffs, like, wh- where where does it go? Because you know, unless unless McDavid comes out like pretty damn quick after the exit 
and says, you know, like I'm sticking around, there's no issue, or in some way, shape, or form can kind of put the fan base at ease. Like, I, I don't, you know, I mean, I, I guess I should be asking you, like, if, you know, as a fan, if this team doesn't make it, like, are, are you worried? Are you worried as a fan of that team that McDavid is at some point going to say, you know what, man, I'm out. Like, I just, I, you know, I, I, I've tried and, and, and I've stuck around for a couple of years here, but for Christ's sake, like, I, I need to try and get some organization that's got some semblance of winning. If McDavid wants out um, at this point, I don't know that I would blame him. So if mm-hmm. he was to come out and say, you know what, I, w- I want to leave. But so on the one hand, again, I, I don't think I would blame. But on the other hand, I would right there. I'd be in that moment. Be like, See, right there. That's why I've been saying you're not a leader because you want to quit more than you want to try. And I know seven years he's been trying um, and he's he's had the he's had the misfortune of having a terrible organization trying to build around him. And I get that. But you signed a, a contract a couple of years ago, a 10 year contract. That's a commitment. And you're willing to walk out of it two years in. Now, that's not okay. Like, you can't come out and say that you're going to quit. In terms of looking at you as a leader, that's not okay. I don't, I don't believe you're a leader. And I, I currently don't believe as a leader anyway. So it wouldn't be that shocking. And again, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily blame him. Now, you, as you were saying that, I realized that the last show I said, I, I made the suggestion of, t- of trading McDavid to pick up the pieces that you're missing. And I do kind of still stick by that. But instead of McDavid, I'll say Dreisaitl. And the reason I'm saying that is because more people want to play with McDavid than they do Dreisaitl. It's not a shot against Dreisaitl. It's just sort of the feeling, the way things go. So you already are in a bad place when it comes to Edmonton, not Every, it's sort of understood that Edmonton is not the greatest place to play hockey. Uh, the city as itself isn't necessarily... I love Edmonton. This is not coming from me. This is coming as sort of an understanding within uh, hockey players. It's harder to attract players to stay in Edmonton. Look what happened to Chris Pronger. That one year he got... Uh, he played for Edmonton. He came over. They made it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. And then at the end of that year, he asked for a trade. You do that because why? Because his wife was bored in Edmonton and maybe he was a little bit too. And there wasn't much there for them to do because these are still people that need to enjoy where they are and all that kind of stuff. And then there's taxes and all that kind of thing. And Edmonton is what it is. I love it. I lived in the area for, I lived in the area for over a year and I absolutely loved it. I would love to go back. But my point is, is that it's a little bit harder sell in Edmonton than it is say in California or even in Toronto or Montreal. So if you're if you don't have much to sell the game, but you do have the best or sell the team, sorry, the best player in the world, you don't trade that away. You do the second best player, which is Drysidle, and you pick up the pieces where you can. I still think that's where this team needs to go. If they can't pull in, if they weren't able to pull in a goalie last season in the offseason, unless it was really because Holland was being such a stickler about either the 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 dollar amount or the player involved in a trade or the x amount of years whatever it is if it's really because of that then there's something to be done you don't need to do anything drastic but if it's not because of that then you do need to start thinking outside of the box you need to start finding a way to plug this hole these holes really uh, because just doing it under free agency isn't enough anymore because it, it's just, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We all know that's the definition of insanity. 
let's stop being insane for a year or two here and, and tr- actually start working towards a, a better championship potential. Well, I, I mean, to me, the only thing that I really worry about here, Marty, is that, you know, if they continue to go with McDavid and Dreisaitl, I, ju- I just feel like at some at some point they have to they they have to move one of them because I, I, again I I just I I don't even see them necessarily as a contender right now and I I, I don't see anything that's going to be making them a contender in the next few years either so I mean for me it's a case where again I kind of say in regards to these Oilers I'm just I, I'm I'm kind of at a loss in regards to w- what type of team this is you know where are they at I mean you know the ups and downs of this team well I think it's, it's obvious just, they're a lost team that's what they are well they're, they're obviously they're 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 not they're not where they thought they were that that's evident I mean you know, as long as no, you had McDavid and Dreisaitl, sure. a, lot, a lot of people, the expectation, right, is kind of, you know, d- division championships and, and and conference finals. And, and yeah. none, of, none of this is happening right now, man, like yeah. none of it. And, and, and as a matter of fact, it seems to be, you know, further and further off in the distance here as, as we go. And uh, again, I, I just, I can. That's I can the only, thing. I, that's the bad thing about this year. As bad as 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 bad as it's been that we haven't actually won anything significant in their careers in Edmonton, what's worse about this year is that it's a giant step backwards. And we went out when we picked up a Keith and we re-signed Barry and re-signed like we made moves to get worse. That's what we did. That's not okay. Nothing about this is okay. You didn't stand pat and got worse. You can blame at the fact that, you know, we thought we had a decent enough team, but some of those players, no. You went out and made yourself worse. That's a management decision. <laughs> like, you need to own up to that. And that's where it needs... Nichols needs to go, I think, as well as, as Holland. I think they're, they're both... They both... They're, they're both done. Um, I, th- I change the mentality team, up there. I mean, like we said, Marty. I mean, if this team misses the playoffs, I I think anything is open. Like, I mean, the chopping block is right there, and it could be a long nice. line, man. Because, again, you know, with, with with what's expected of this team and the type of players that are on that team, you know, whether yeah. they whether they have the, the pieces or not, they're you know, just all you got to do is name McDavid and Dreisaitl, and you figure this team should be going somewhere. So. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm not really sure to tell you what to tell you, Oilers fans. But I mean, you know, best best of luck to you because even with all of this talk, Marty, we I mean, obviously you being a fan want to see them in the playoffs, and I'm a fan of hockey. I want to see this guy in the playoffs, man. Like I want to see McDavid in the Stanley Cup playoffs as much as I possibly can. And I, I gotta say, I, I didn't think they'd be here. I didn't think they'd be first in the conference, Marty. But I didn't think they'd be here, man. I, 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 I really didn't. So I mean, you know, uh, who, who knows what, what's gonna come here in the past, next like twenty games here? I don't know. I, I, there, there's gonna be a big tipping point here for the Edmonton Oilers franchise, Marty, in one way, shape, or form. You know, whether they get in, whether they, or whether they're, they're out, something big is gonna end up going down here because. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, even if you make it into the playoffs, like. Let's just say this. Wait, wait. The best part of this season for our podcast 
will come from what they do in the off season. And that's oh yeah, terrible. man, and that's terrible to say. And that brings us to the beauties and the beasts, my friend. Our last segment of the night for the show. Yes, sir. Um, now you've you've touched already a little bit on yours, but I, I think it'd be smart to kind of review it a little bit. So let's start with you, and, uh, and we'll okay. we'll slide right through yours. And well, listen, we'll 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 take care of this one really quick. We talked about him a couple of times in the program so far, guys. JT Miller, uh, Marty. I mean, as you know, I've got him on all three of my uh, my fantasy teams. This guy is absolute money right now. He uh, anyway, uh, twenty. All I'm going to say is twenty three points in the last eleven games. You know, he basically tells his coach to stay out of the room between the second and third period of the game against Washington. Basically, walks up to him and says, "I'll take care of this." Okay, okay, there, JT. I'll see. I'll Which, see by the way, the, I'll see kudos, you uh, kudos to Boudreau for for allowing the, the moment to happen as yep, well. It it, it, it takes a good coach to know when to step out and and allow the player to do that too. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I I just I can't say enough about this player right now. I mean, he's he is your prototypical playoff hockey player. Like that, this guy is everything, everything that you would want in a hockey player going into the playoffs. End of yeah. story. Yeah. Done. I mean, he's single-handedly, you know, willing the Canucks to the playoffs here, man. Like, I, I think yeah. they're three points out or something like that. But for God's sakes, this guy's on another planet right now. He is, yeah. 70 points right now. So, yeah, he's having a career year. So, I mean, so, hey, listen, JT, you got all the love that you could from us, man. I can't give you any more, bud. Dress it and forget it. Oh, man, yeah, big time. <laughs> Next up, Clayton Keller. So... Yeah. Playing in the desert uh, with no one. Hey, I got and, I got and, one in mind. This is going to be no, interesting. No, you know what? B&B. Yeah, very true. Very yeah. true. Sorry. Sorry. And I won't <laughs> give away the name, but yes, I know no. who you're talking about. So listen, guys. Listen. You got Clayton Keller taking seventh overall a couple of years back. 5'10", 178. So just a wee little guy, right, in, in hockey standards. Still only 23 years old, which is... You know, even surprised me a little bit. I knew he was young, but still, I thought maybe he was a little bit I older, 25, whatever. But anyway, you know, still the type of guy that you can build your team around if you're doing any kind of a small rebuild or any kind of a retool. Uh, but listen, I mean, this guy is playing uh, out of his mind compared to, to, to the stats he's put up in his career so far. Playing the best hockey of his career, obviously on a team that is devoid of talent. Uh, he's near a point a game. The guy's got 56 points in 58 games, 25 goals, 31 assists. Hey, he's playing 20 minutes a night here too, man. So you're getting a guy that's playing some serious minutes. He is a plus three on that Coyotes team, man. So, uh, so yeah. if you have any kind of categories in your fantasy league that uh, deal with plus minus, dress Kate, Clayton Keller and ride it, man, because he's not going to hurt you with the plus minus either. Uh, listen, I mean, for any, for any format right now, put him in your lineup. I mean, a point of game player. Somebody, somebody has to score in the desert, so might as well be, might as well be him. And I mean, yeah. you know what, Marty? In, in regards to our pools, he's he's that kind of great secondary scorer, right? Like you know, you yes. get your eighty and yeah. your seventy, seventy fives, ninety point guys. He's that kind of kid that slides right in there, the nice seventy point, sixty six, sixty eight kind of yeah. deal. So he he can, he's, he's a, the definitely well, he's the guy that's going to win you your pool. He's an he's ace up your sleeve. Yeah. 
for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. He comes out of nowhere, and you're like, well, how, like, geez, like, how did you do this? Oh, Clayton, players like Clayton Keller will get you there. Despite what Sean Avery says about Clayton Keller, he is a very good player, unlike Sean Avery. Well, I mean, listen. For those of you who don't know, that... Sean Avery really laid into him a couple weeks ago. Unnecessarily. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, in regards to Clayton Keller, Keller, set it and forget it, same thing. I mean, the guy's point of game pace, so enjoy. Nice. Last but not least for my beauties this week, and uh, I got to say, I'm pretty bullish on this guy. Definitely a, a player that I wish I had on any of any of my fantasy teams, Devin Tays. Too bad. And the thing I love, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. I mean, Underrated. 6'1", 191, 28 years old. I mean, the guy's played 48 games, 45 points. So, I mean, just a shade under a point a game. Plus 44. Like, I get it. He's on the abs. I'm sure they're going to have a great goal differential. Yeah. But 44 guy? I mean, they still play pretty yeah. loose, man. So, holy cow. Like, you know, props to him. Playing some major minutes, 25-19 on, uh, time on ice a night. So you're getting a solid, solid p- player here. And, I mean, what else can we say other than this guy's having an absolute breakout? Just under a point per game pace, like I mentioned. Logging huge minutes. First pairing. I mean, he's seeing first power play as well. Relied upon in all situations because he is playing on the uh, their first penalty killing unit as well. I mean, <laughs> the only thing else I have to he, say is uh, I would imagine. Sorry, it's funny you, you should mention it. He's he. <clears throat> yes, sir. Oh, I think I lost you. Am I there? Yeah. Hello. Oh, the internet really went south. Oh, there we go. Hello. We're back. Hey. Excellent. Hey. Taze <laughs> is actually at a plus forty-six, leading the league, and Ooh. believe it or not. That is ahead of Makar, who is in fifth at plus 37. So that says a lot because Makar's got 21 goals. So And Taze has played, I think, about a half a dozen, if not two dozen, or uh, sorry, a full dozen uh, games less. So that says a lot. And I bet you Lou Lamarillo would like to have that one back because he only got two second-round picks for him. So, yeah, that's Lou, not gonna you messed it. up on that one, big You messed up on <laughs> yeah. that one, big guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and of course, and of course, our our beast for the week, or my beast yeah. for the week, I should say, is the Oilers goaltending. And Marty, I'm not going to drag this out any more than Thank saying, any more than saying, it will cost them a playoff spot. Yep. To, to you, my friend. <laughs> oh my God! All right, so um, right off the top here, Patrick Kane. This oh, is Patrick Kane. This is the Patrick Kane that we know. And, and he has, I'm not going to say struggled because at, he's actually still at a point. He's been at a point per game the whole season. So that's not necessarily struggling. But for, as, as far as Patrick Kane is concerned, this has been a difficult season for him to really, he sort of has been like like a car stuck in snow or sand. Like he's just revving, but not going anywhere. He's like, oh, I got something, I got to go. But he's just never been able to go. Now he has taken off 18 points his last eight games. Um, and it's not just assists either, although he's really piling those on, but seven goals to go along with the, those 11 assists. So that's, that, that's, you want to talk about set and forget it right now is Patrick Kane's moment. I know there's a lot of rumblings about him potentially being traded. I don't disagree with the rumblings. I think Chicago is going in a different direction. 
I think Chicago's fine to either keep him or trade him. I think you get a lot of value out of him right now with the way he's playing right now. I think that's a smart move from an organization standpoint. That being said, nothing wrong with keeping him either because you still need to win games. You still need to have players to sort of build around. I think the Brinkhead takes a huge step back if you lose Kane. So maybe you don't do that. Maybe you hold on to Kane. He's not that old. He's only 31. So you still got several serviceable years out of him. You can rebuild with him and it's fine. Um, so, but anyways, right now, set up, forget it, Kane. Good Lord, is he ever going to win you some games? Um, next up, now this is a bit of an interesting one. It's Joel Pavelski, but it's because he signed the one-year contract. This is a beauty because I think good for Pavelski. Um, you don't have your best year at age 37. <laughs> and think it's going to happen again. But Dallas is happy enough with what they've gotten out of him this year that they gave him that extension. So it's 5.5. So good for Pavelski for getting an extra 5.5 million in your pocket because you played like a champ all season long. And that's really what he's done. Um, am I also mentioning him to think throw it in your face a little bit more that we haven't completed the trade and it's more well, leverage maybe <laughs> I, I don't know man I, I think i'm pretty i think i'm pretty comfortable with what i've got but hey listen that's there's right. a full, okay, there's good. a full week there's a full week left and as yes, a matter of fact is. i i believe we may even be able to use the week of the 21st but i'm not 100 percent I'll have to talk oh, okay. to your brother about okay. that, but I think we may have that full okay. week as well. But listen, in regards okay. to Pavelski, good on, I totally good oh. on the player. Parlays it into a five point yeah. five million deal. Really? Another, yeah, you know, thirty eight years old gets another almost six million out of it. What I will <laughs> say, Marty, is even better on Jim Nil and the Dallas Stars because, you know, for any hockey fan out there, Joe Pavelski is what we like to call a great pro. And he is nice. going to yes. set up those young players down there from a Miro Heiskanen to a Jake Ottinger to the, the next wave Robertson, that's coming. Hines, uh, you know oh, what? Yeah. I can't I can't believe I forgot him. Robertson, he's on the same bloody line yeah. as him. Hint, uh, yes. Rupe Hints as well. Like this, yeah. t you know, uh, we're not we're not privy, Marty, to what this guy does day in and day out. But I'm going to stick my mm. neck out there, and I, and I don't think I'm really sticking it out very far when I say <laughs> I'm sure Pavelski's that type of guy, first in, first out. Uh, sorry, first in, last I out. I can see that. Um, you know, yeah. on on the bike, uh, in the weight room. You know, this guy knows that he's not 25 anymore. He's got to put in the work, right? And yep. and and th that. That, that that gets seen by those young players. And I, I, I got to say, I think that's a complete, complete, complete win for both player and team. Yeah. I, I just think it's a super, super move all around. Yeah, I agree. And it was a, it, it made me think outside of the box a little bit when I saw the sign. It was my initial reaction right away. I was like, Jesus, good for him and good for the kids around him. Like, this is a smart move. Like, he, 5.5 is a bit high for uh, for a player his age who hasn't necessarily done take this season out who hasn't necessarily done uh, a season where he's been a point per game and he's played with some remember he played in san jose with some uh, players who were at the top of their game at the time some burns some marlowe some thorntons like how did he not have a point a game season until now is beyond me but 
again, atmosphere, change of scenery, that sometimes that's all you need. The first year in Dallas, not so great. But the last two for Pavelski have been something else. And yeah. kudos to the kids for possibly bringing that out in Pavelski. There's obviously something that's working there. But you know what? Great for Pavelski to get 5.5 out of a season, out of his best season. It makes sense. And good, like you said, also good for the organization to recognize what Pavelski is bringing to the table. It just, this just, the signing just makes a lot of sense for everybody going forward. Yeah. Because I think Dallas, uh, for Dallas, you guys look really good for the future. I've got to be honest, this season isn't your best season. Uh, and you're going to probably make the playoffs this year. And even if you don't, don't worry. Next year, you're that much closer if you're not a shoo-in. Because this is a good team. This is a good young team, even with the signing of Pavelski. So, um, so yeah, that was that was my, my angle with that. But uh, anyway, moving on. So the, other, the only other reason you would pick someone from the desert is Nick Schmaltz. Now, this is disgusting. 19 points in eight games. And... I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a seven point night out of the equation because he he did he had a seven point night and I believe your boy had a five point night that night did he not or did he also have a seven? Uh, it no, was pretty I think, close. Yeah, I think I think Keller had a pretty big night that night too, eh? Yeah, that was yeah, quite I the think night they both did. <laughs> so, anyways, let's take that one out of the equation. He still has twelve points in his last eight games. So. You know, it's annoying that at this point in time, we're mentioning someone from Arizona Coyotes. Sounds like you just don't know what you're talking about. But there's simply no denying the production. And and like you said earlier, someone's got to do the scoring. And Nick Schmaltz is a good hockey player. He's always been a good hockey player, just been on bad teams. But even on bad teams, he's been able he's been able to produce. So here is another perfect example of, especially right now, set it and forget it. He may not, you, you may not keep him in those keeper leagues, and that's fine. But if you can draft somebody like that, he's another ace up your sleeve because he will get you as close to a 60, 65 with the potential of more because uh, you never know. These kids surprise sometimes. Um, but he's, yeah, he's right now especially. If you can draft him, uh, play him in the weekly uh, fantasy, then you do that for sure. Um, yeah, and to end it on a similar note, goalies, what's going on in Minnesota? What's going oh, on with, with with Kakinen and Talbot? They're both in bed together, and they're just taking shits. Like, I, I don't get it. Talbot in his last five games has a three goals against and an 897 save percentage, and whereas Kakinen's got a 3.4 GAA and an 879. Like, this is – is this just a blip, or is this – really where they're at as a team they actually kind of look like they're trending in the wrong direction might they slip out of a playoff spot because this has been a, a bad little stretch for them well i i will say this i i'm obviously kind of disappointed in, in both goaltenders i mean especially because you know minnesota was a team that we kind of saw as a little bit of a yeah. dark horse if they get into the playoffs they can start doing some damage right but yep. the thing that's disappointing me a little bit here is, and, and I hate to kind of put it on the young kid, but I'm pretty disappointed in Kakinen, and I'll tell you why. Okay, listen, Talbot's Talbot. We, we kind of know what he's been throughout the years. I mean, he's had some great runs. He's had some not-so-good runs. Uh, I mean, he, he's kind of a known commodity, right? Yeah. I was really I'm kind of a big fan of Kakinen, uh all the way back to, the, to when uh, Scott picked him up. Um, with the Royals, I mean, I, I didn't didn't foresee him picking him up. I was actually pretty surprised when I heard the name. I was disappointed when I heard the name because I wanted him. But I'll tell you what, like I just I really thought 
that he was going to be able to kind of run with this a little bit, especially with Tablet yeah. kind of, you know, really crap in the bed here to start off with. And yeah. then Kapanen kind of followed it up and really yeah. didn't re- really didn't take the opportunity. So listen, That's right. uh, you know, not really happy all around. I own Talbot in, in our pool. Haven't been able to really utilize the guy in any way, shape or form. Don't feel like losing a week. So, I mean, he is what he is. But I'll, I, I just got to say, I, I really hope that Kakinen can either find this game or or the team can mm. turn it around here because, you know, I, I, I was kind of high here on Minnesota. I really liked what they had going on and, you know, adding some skill with Kaprizov and they're a bit of a yeah. sandpapery kind of team, good kind of playoff team. I don't know, man. Uh, they're, they're, they've taken a turn here over the last, uh, the last, I'd say, what, two or three weeks here yeah. and it just doesn't look good on them right now and it certainly doesn't look good on the goaltending. Not at all. And, and that's exactly what I was going to say as, as sort of my final point on this. In the last eight games, they've won three lost five but what's even more disgusting on that we'll take the one win against new york rangers which is a solid one five two we'll take that out of the equation for a second and i'll rhyme off the goals against six three five six five four five guys that's not how you win anything by letting in on average of those seven games it looks like the average would be somewhere around five goals a game you can't win games if you're letting in five goals every single time. That's just the last eight. Like I'm not. That's March. Like I'm not even looking at February. Do I want to look at February? Oh, good lord! No, I don't. Seven, three, four. Like, ee, okay. We're gonna stop there. I feel bad for Minnesota. There, hopefully, it's just a bad stretch, and one of the two goalies will be able to break out of it. But I do feel that if they um. They don't break out of this. the The finger will be pointed straight at the goalie situation, because I think that's what's happening right now. So, that's a beast. I mean, let's hope for Minnesota they can kind of you know stabilize this here a little bit because I really do think that this Figured is a team it. that could that could be interesting in the playoffs here. But I mean, with, if they continue to get what they're getting right now, Marty, it, it's it's basically two roads. It's either out of the playoffs or a first round exit. So. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of where your path is leading down right now if you can't get this kind of turned around. That's right. Maybe they should sw- get Talbot back in Edmonton. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. No. <laughs> and Smith for Talbot straight up. Oh, my uh, God, man, buddy. that'd be bad. Oh, my God, that'd be bad. That, nothing good would come of that. It'd be a lateral move at best. Another one in All the right. books, buddy. That one is in the books. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you're interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at twoguysaleague and some guests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes at anchor.fm slash Or you can follow us on Twitter where you can find all of our info. Our handle is at Tugalag, that's the number two, followed by G-A-L-A-G. Don't forget to like, follow, and share. Thanks for listening, and until next time.